You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. This is Prevent Defense, the podcast. What's going on, everybody? This is the Prevent Defense Podcast on the Radio.com Sports Digital Network. I'm LHO Parks with the one and only Brian Baldinger. What up, Baldy? How you doing? Elliot, I'm good. Uh, you know, I mean, it's uh, it's Thursday night football. You're in Green Bay. I'm mm-hmm. here at NFL Films. I'm still looking backwards from last week and projecting to this to this week ahead. I'll be in Los Angeles for the Rams and Bucks on Sunday calling that. So, I mean, life is good right now. So I'm happy you brought the Rams up. This is actually where I wanted to start today. So we're three weeks into the season. By the time you're listening to this, it might even be four weeks into the season. So the season is definitely churning along here. Like, it's not week one anymore. I think you're really mm-hmm. starting to get a look at which of these teams have it and which don't. The haves and the have-nots, one might say. And no better person to talk to about it than you. You've seen every snap of every game. Here's where we, where we currently sit. We have four team, or sorry, five teams that are, haven't had a win yet. The Cardinals are 0-2. Then we have the Redskins, the Jets, the Steelers, and the Broncos. Then on the flip side, we have six teams that haven't lost. The Patriots, the Bills, the Chiefs, the Cowboys, the Packers, and the team you just mentioned where you're going to be this weekend, the Rams. Let's start with the, the teams that uh, haven't lost yet. It feels like they deserve to be mentioned first. I, see, I look at those teams and I see one clear outlier as to which is not as good as the other teams. What do you think of the Buffalo Bills? Well, I like what they're doing in Buffalo. Uh, I like the way they came back and won last week. Josh Allen was phenomenal in the driver's seat. Uh, he is a difficult guy to defend. I mean, he can run the ball against anybody. He has one great skill that a lot of great athletes have. Um, LeBron has it. Michael Jordan has it. He, he does not fatigue. No matter how much, how many times he runs, how much you chase him, that guy never slows down. And he's highly, highly competitive. And they're building this team the right way. Um, you know, all the guys they've added, Cole Beasley, John Brown, Frank Gore, uh, you know, adding Mitch Morse. Like every guy that they added in free agency, they've struck gold with. They, they have been good players. Cole Beasley's their third and short guy. John Brown's their, their stretch the field guy. They've got two rookie tight ends, Dawson Knox. Tommy Sweeney, they have they both start, play a lot. Dawson Knox caught his first NFL touchdown pass. They had their home opener last week, Elliot. And look, I love Ralph Wilson Stadium. I know what it's called right now, but it's still the Ralph to me. I respect those fans in Western New York. My brother played for the Bills with some of those Super Bowl teams. I love that place, and it was rocky. And they'll see, they'll see a real team this week. We'll know a lot more about them after the Patriot game, but and I don't know that they've closed the gap with the Patriots. I don't know that anybody has. But they're a better football team right now. And they do certain things really well. They play as a team. Um, they play they play good, tough, hard-nosed defense. They've got a couple of really elite players in that defense. We saw one, you know, Tredavious White have an interception at the end of the game that really helped them. But I like the Bills. And I don't know. I'm not going to predict that they're a playoff team right now. They They could go – six and seven down the stretch and not make it. I mean, it's possible. But I think this is an improved team, and they're building it the right way around the quarterback. So the benefit of being 3-0 and is you go into a game not having to win, right? The Bills don't have to win this weekend. It would obviously be huge for them. They don't have to win. But I think what we'll, what we'll learn a lot about the Bills is they just got to keep this game competitive, right? I mean, it's in Buffalo. You're 3-0. and I just want to see them keep it competitive with the Patriots. If they can lose this game 24-21, make the Patriots play, play their kind of brand of football, then I think you look at the Bills as a legitimate playoff contender. If not, maybe a team that could win in the playoffs. I mean, you talked about how they're building things. Their brand of football is built 
for for uh, the playoffs. It's built for cold weather. It's built to make a team come to Buffalo and beat them. And I got to tell you, Bills Mafia is going to be pumped to hear you mention Allen in the same sense as Michael Jordan and LeBron James. Does mm-hmm. Allen not get enough credit as being one of the good young quarterbacks in the league? I mean, when you talk about young guys, you hear obviously Lamar Jackson who deserves it. Patrick Mahomes deserves it. Not sure Baker Mayfield deserves it. He is in that conversation, but he did not look good last week against the Rams. Is Allen, should he be higher up on that list of, of young quarterbacks? Well, I mean, he, he will put, throw the ball up for grabs, Elliot. It, it, it's a flaw. I mean, he will, like, he can run all over the field, and I don't care who's chasing him. He's one step faster than just about anybody. But he will throw the ball up. He did last week. He will put it up, and it's he has to find a way to take that play out of his out of his game. Like you have to find a way in that situation to end the play. Like either throw the ball away, um, dump it off, uh, not think that you have to rescue every play. And it is so I don't know when it's going to happen, but if the Bills do become a playoff team, then he will have cured that ail that that illness right now. And it is a little bit. It, it jumps up on him. I, I'm sure the Patriots. We'll find a way to box him in. They'll send secondary pressure as soon as he gets flushed from the pocket. They'll want to make him run around. And then they'll have their guys in place, uh, you know, just kind of stop it or shut it down. So it's a great test. And I agree with you, Elliot. Like, whatever they have, like, if if the Patriots go in there and win 30 to 6, then nobody's going to believe in anything that the Patriots, uh, that the Bills do. But if this thing goes into the fourth quarter and it's a one-score game or it's, it's 23 to, you know, 13, and the Bills are in it. Like, then you could say, okay, that's a great barometer. I mean, it's probably too soon to get this test for the Bills. They probably need one or two more games against teams that are sort of on their level before they get the test. But the fact that they're getting it at home, they're in their Winnebago's right now, Elliot, at, at stadium. They're, they're, they're already tailgating. They can't wait for Sunday. And I, by the way, I have done games up there, Patriots and Bills, and I've seen Brady have a bad day up there, more than one bad day, one day where he really struggled, threw four interceptions one day. I've seen him have bad days. So, you know, Brady's sailing along right now, and it's just way too easy. But to be honest with you, I think eventually playing Marshall Newhouse at left tackle, Karras at center, Ryan Izzo at tight end, eventually I think it's going to catch up to him. And they're not going to just run away with these games. Defensively, you know, they're, they're controlling all these games outside the ball. But I don't believe that the linemen that they're playing with can just keep going through the season. And I think they'll see a really good defensive front from Buffalo, and I think they're going to give Brady a hard time. So I'm happy you, you brought the Patriots up because they're another team that is, of course, 3-0. and Hard to really get a read on them, as you mentioned. I mean, they haven't played any great teams. I mean, the Steelers in Week 1 we thought would be a great matchup. They're, uh, they're without a win. Ben Roethlisberger obviously sidelined for the year. They played the Dolphins, so it's hard to get a read on how good the Patriots are. I still personally believe Tom Brady's the best quarterback in the NFL. I know people will say Patrick Mahomes, but to me, nobody plays a position right now better than Brady does. So I still view the Patriots as the top of the AFC. If I'm projecting a Super Bowl right now, I'm still projecting the Patriots. So let's talk about the two best teams in the AFC. How close are the Chiefs? Because Jalen Ramsey's still out there. There's been a lot of speculation that the Chiefs might be in the lead for Jalen Ramsey. You add him to that defense. Obviously, it helps him. He'd help any defense, but the Chiefs' defense is in need of help there. Are the Patriots still the class of the AFC, or have you seen enough to say that the Chiefs are at least, like, they're they capable of beating them? The Chiefs are better than they were last year, Elliot. Uh, Miko okay. Hardman right now. Miko Hardman, feeling, I mean, Tyreek Hill will come back, but, I mean, Miko Hardman right now is running right by people like he did last week. Um like, he's just a blur. It's a track team out there. Demarcus Robinson has taken his game, you know, with Tyreek out to a whole different level. A, a level that people thought he would probably be a, a decent possession receiver. But with Watkins, Ram, you know, Watkins right now and Robinson and McCole Hardman, along with Kelsey right now, and whatever back they have out of the backfield leaking out, you know, running routes, um, they're, they're just flat out dangerous. And Mahomes... He got hit by Matt Judon five different times just by Judon. The Ravens chased him all over the field, and all he did was just make one beautiful pass after another. They did everything they could. They gave him as many different looks as any team will will give him, and they did the same thing to him last year, and he just finds a way. And the precision of his passing game and deep passing game 
is unmatched in this business. And we've never seen anything like it. They're better. And they're better on defense because Spags has a good, pretty good blitz package. But if they were to add Jalen Ramsey, and I can't believe, like, if they could have an opportunity to get it, that Andy Reid and the front office wouldn't pursue it. Because if you put him opposite Kendall Fuller with Spags as the coordinator and let Jalen do what he wants to do, which is just man up on the outside against whatever best receiver is there and let him travel. Spags can figure out the rest about how to get to a quarterback. I mean, they they would be the team to beat. But the, if you go to look at the Patriots, they're by far, they're, they're not even close to being as talented as some other teams in this league. But their level, their level of detail in every play is if you just slow it down and look at it, Elliot, and you look at the precision, even like on Ryan Izzo's tight end delay for 44 yards last week. I mean, Brady was going to go to him no matter what. Although Julian Edelman's got his hand up over the middle of the field and he's wide open. But they he already knows what you're going to do before you do it. Play in, play out. And then everybody else plays their role. All right, so the AFC, I think we can both agree those are probably the two best teams going right now. NFC, I think, is a little more wide open, especially now with Drew Brees hurt, although the Saints do go into Seattle last week and have an impressive win. I'm interested in seeing how they'll look this week. Uh, I know quarterbacks that have a, the, a backup start the first week actually have a pretty good record historically. It's a lot tougher to win that second game, that third game, and keep things rolling with the backup. They see the Dallas Cowboys this week. I think the Cowboys are the best team in the NFC right now. I think Dak is getting credit, but he's right up there in QBR with Mahomes and Lamar Jackson, who are dominating the headlines. I think the defense is very deep and very young, very impressive. The Rams are the only team, I think, in the NFC that's really even in the same class right now as the Cowboys. You could argue, you know, the Packers. I want to see what the Packers do uh, against the Eagles. Um, But Aaron Rodgers isn't playing that great. And you mentioned, and you know, you, you've spoken about how their offensive line might not be that great. So the Cowboys have a great offensive line. We saw the Rams go into Cleveland last week and beat the uh, Browns. And by the way, Jared Goff, like all he does is win games. I mean, the guy's what three and zero now, made it to the Super Bowl last year. Everyone always gives Sean McVay all the credit for some reason. I, I, I guess I get why to a certain extent, but it's time to put some respect on Jared Goff's name. He goes in and beats Baker Mayfield. Well, I bet a lot of people would probably take over Jared Goff right now. I wouldn't, though. I, w- I would take Goff over Baker. When you look at the Cowboys and you look at the Rams, do you agree with me that those are the class of the NFC right now? And what do you see kind of maybe the differences or edges those teams would have? Well, I think they are the class of the NFC. Uh, this, you know, what they are doing right now in Dallas with Kellen Moore as the offensive coordinator is – what they should do. I mean, they have elite talent. They have really no holes in the whole offense. I mean, Tony Pollard comes out last week, rushes for over 100 yards. He's, he's going to be a valuable member of that football team. They haven't had a backup running back to Ezekiel like that, where they don't, they, they don't have to fatigue Ezekiel Elliott in these games. They don't have to give it to him 25 times anymore. They used to have to because they never had a capable backup when he was there. But yeah. they have a capable backup now. They don't have a single glaring weakness. This Devin Smith has come in. I mean, I talked to a general manager yesterday in this team, and he he showed me his scouting report on Devin Smith when he was coming out of Ohio State. And it, it was he's six foot, 198 pounds, and he has instant gas. And that's what he is. Like he can just put he can just press the throttle and run by people. And you add that with the route running right now of Amari Cooper. I mean, what Amari Cooper did to Xavier Howard last week in Miami. Was And I have a lot of respect for Xavier Howard. He is a very, very talented player. But Amari mm-hmm. Cooper, just, he's just too talented a route runner. And then you, you add all the pieces. The one thing I will say is under pressure, you still have to question Dak under pressure when somebody is really in his face and he's got to make a good decision with the football. Because last week he threw one up and he threw two more up that should have been intercepted. And in a big game, in a big spot, and we've seen the Cowboys with the number one seed a couple of times now, and they have not played well at that position in a big spot at home. And if you project ahead, because I think they'll be in the playoffs, but if you project ahead where the defenses with an Aaron Donald, you know, with with what New Orleans can bring this weekend and maybe in the playoffs, like under pressure, Dak still has to prove to a lot of people 
that he's all of that and more, even with a great team around him. And so that's the only caveat I have about the Cowboys. Look, the Saints went to New Orleans last week, Elliot. And they they defined what a team is all about. Seattle is a quality team and a hard place to play. They run back the opening kickoff, you know, and they take the kickoff back. So they special teams contributed right away. You know, and then Alvin Kamara looked like the best player in the NFL. Like, he touched it 25 times. He had 190 yards. He had two touchdowns. And Bobby Wagner and anybody else in that defense couldn't tackle him. Like, he just refuses to go down. And it's and so Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara, it's still a two-man team. And so, sometimes if you just have those two weapons, sometimes you don't need anything else, even Teddy Bridgewater. So defensively, they played really well, and they're capable of carrying this thing. And Kamara and Thomas are capable of carrying it. But I do think with Drew out right now that they, you know, obviously they lose, you know, quite a bit. So those are the teams that we all we all agree are are in it at this point, right? Three and no, they're going. The 0 and 3 teams. I look at them and I actually see some teams in there that I think have played better than their record indicates. Mm-hmm. I watched the Packers uh, Broncos last week. I thought the Broncos actually played pretty well. They moved the ball. Philip Lindsay looked very impressive. Mm-hmm. I was Flacco, not his best game. But I thought the Broncos actually have some things going. I mean, they were close, close-ish to beating the Packers, and then the Bears game. Obviously, they lost, lost on the last second by a field goal. What's Vic Fangio building there? I think it's actually far more encouraging than I thought it would be. I mean, we we had debated this offseason: can defensive coaches still come in and kind of build wing organizations? Early results, zero and three, not great. But I do think what Vic Fangio is doing there it, it looks better than the record indicates. They're going to win games, Elliot. Like, look, it was ten ten. In the third quarter last week, uh, you know, when Flacco, you know, got caught in the pocket and they got the nut ball out and they recovered the fumble and Aaron Rodgers got a short field and it made it 17-10. In the next series, uh, Jair Alexander just ripped the ball right out of Noah Fant's hands and ran it back. And the Green Bay Packers got another short field and it was 24-10. And basically the rain came and the game was over. And But your point, they ran, in fact, Joe Douglas from the Jets and myself, we watched the game last night up in New York. And, you know, they're going to buy a week. So Joe's just looking to talk football with somebody right now. So we watched all these games last week together. And I watched, you know, Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman with a backup right tackle and a backup left guard run the ball really well against the Packers. And, look, the Packers are fortunate. Jair Alexander can cover uh, Emmanuel Sanders. Not many teams have a player of that ability to cover Emmanuel Sanders. But Cortland Sutton played well. Fant's a good player. Like, they're going to win games. And it's just a matter of time right now before the defense really comes together. It didn't happen for Vic Fangio right away in Chicago. They were the 31st-ranked defense his first year. They went to 16 to 10 to number one. I mean, it, it, it might take a couple weeks. But they will play a lot better. And they will win games. And the other team, I will tell you, that I believe is going to win games is the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, mm-hmm. They took the ball away from the 49ers five times last week. Mason Rudolph was not awful. He threw one bad pass. He threw two touchdown passes to wide receivers for the first time all year. Juju Smith-Schuster and a young rookie named Deontay Johnson, who I believe is going to be their best receiver. Um, he can flat out fly. Uh, he reminds you, actually, of a lot of Taylor Gabriel. He, he's like that size, and he's just quick, quicker than a cat. I, and then the defense, they've added Mika Fitzpatrick. He made an immediate impact. He forced a fumble. He had an interception. They traded for Nick Vanette this week. They want to get better at tight end and blocking tight ends. They're going to get Roosevelt, Nick's back, their fullback. They'll get back to running power football with James Conner. And I think Mason Rudolph is going to be okay. I, I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Fame Ben Roethlisberger good. But their team isn't like that right now. They don't have Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. They don't, they're not built like that. So, But I, the Steelers, Mike Tomlin in 12 seasons has never had a losing record. I don't know that they can avoid a losing record this year, but I think that it's going to come pretty close to it late in December. So you mentioned you were watching football with Joe Douglas. So, by the way, probably two of the biggest football heads on the face of the planet. There's one thing I know about Joe Douglas from my time covering him here with the Eagles. I'm sure that was an epic film breakdown between you two. But here's the thing about Joe Douglas. And I honestly, I might feel worse for him than I do any other person in the league right now. I mean, I know he's living his dream as a GM, so you can't feel too bad for him. Plus, he's watching tape with you. But you look at that roster, and to me, Adam Gase, man, like the Jets 0-3, another team on this list. 
I covered the Eagles when they went to the Super Bowl with Nick Foles as the backup. Now, the Jets don't have a backup like Nick Foles coming off the bench, and the Jets don't have a roster like the Eagles. So I'm not saying you can compare the results. But what you can compare is how they handled the situations. And I remember when Carson Wentz went down, he was probably the MVP at that point of the season. Doug came to the podium the next day and said, we're going to be okay. We have Nick Foles. This season is not over. I watch Adam Gase go to the podium after it's announced Sam Darnold has mono. He's hanging his head. He's kind of saying, this is where we're at. He does, he's not encouraging. And I think that's what you've seen from the Jets since then. You've seen uninspired football. They go into games thinking they're going to lose. Now, I think in the long run, they're going to be okay because I think Joe Douglas is one of the best football minds in the game. He's going to put talent on that roster. I don't know if Adam Gase is the guy to lead that team or the head coach. Any reason for Jets fans to be optimistic that they can rebound from this 0-3 start? Yeah, I think, I mean, I think there's reason to be optimistic. I mean, if you take a look, say, for example, Ryan Khalil. You know, Joe picks him up. He was retired. Didn't want to play with the Carolina Panthers anymore. He's out of football. He comes back in. He doesn't play in preseason. He's got an on-the-job training right now at center. So he's really upset. He thinks he can play a whole lot better. Um, they're going to get uh, Herndon back at tight end. Um, he did. He was second with tight ends with the most explosive plays in the league last year on half the targets that Kelsey and a third of the targets that, you know, Ertz get. But he's an explosive player. And he's a good t- he's, he's coming back after uh, the Eagles game. Uh, they're going to get Demarius Thomas back in this lineup. They're going to get Sam Darnold back. They're going to get Quinnen Williams back. They were up 16-0 on Buffalo the first week when C.J. Mosley got hurt and the team, the defense fell apart. I mean, they're going to get all these players back. And they're all really good players. So they're going to win games. They, they've got they've got a bunch of, like, they may not beat the Cowboys coming up or the Patriots. They may struggle. But they're going to win. They're going to have at least six wins before, I believe, before the end of the season. And so okay. is Gase the answer to your question? I think everything is sort you know, Joe's in charge. I think everything will be under review. Yeah, and I hope Joe is the one in charge. I'll say that. I hope it's not Adam Gase calling the calls up there because I think Joe has it in him to be one of the best GMs in the league. So as we mentioned, it's crazy September is almost over. I mean, by the time this you know, by the time you're listening to the next pod, these will be a month in, but it still is September and Baldy. If you're a prevent defense listener, you know what that means. If it's September, that means the NFL is back on CBS. You can, of course, stream your local game live every Sunday with CBS All Access, available across all your favorite devices. You can also watch games on CBS or CBS.com through your TV provider. And for a one-week trial of CBS All Access, you just have to go to CBS.com insider. That's CBS.com insider for a free one-week trial. And Baldy... I have been thinking of this question all week. I'm super excited to ask you because you're the most qualified to ask. All right, you ready? Yeah. I think Daniel Jones is already in the same type of class as Dak and Carson Wentz. I watched that game against the Buccaneers. I get it's early. I get it, right? This is hot take city right now. But, man, to come back without Saquon on the road in your first start, two touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns. I know he had the fumble. Like, that's that it quality. Like, when I watched Daniel Jones, I said, this guy might have it. And I know you're the one to ask because you watched him at Duke. So I want to get into some of the younger quarterbacks here, or at least some of the new backups we saw over this past week. But my first question for you is this. Is Daniel Jones now, as the NFC East with Carson, with Dak, do Giants fans now have the quarterback that can compete with those two? Yeah. Oh, for sure. And yeah. I think, you know, I think Gettleman, you know, I mean, he took a lot of heat, obviously, for this pick. And, you know, but he knew he knew the way that Daniel Jones was wired. I mean, honestly, Elliot, he sounds just like he just sounds exactly like Eli. He spent a lot of time around Eli and Peyton down at Duke. David Cutcliffe obviously coached them both. Um, He's wired like Eli was wired in New York. He's just a much better athlete. And his athleticism, not just the two rushing touchdowns in the game winner, but just the ability to move just within the pocket, to buy sometimes the way Mahomes does, the way Dak can, the way, you know, the way Carson can. He has that ability just to, to dance, to slide, to shuffle, and keep his eyes down the field. And it's been a long time. It's been a long time, Elliot, since you could say the Giants actually looked like they had weapons last week. Sterling Sharp was a weapon. Evan Ingram was a weapon. Darius Slayton, the rookie fifth-round pick out of Auburn, was a weapon. 
And like you go into these games and you're like, oh, Eli's got nothing. But all of a sudden, when the ball's thrown on timing and it's thrown to the right spot, and these guys and you let these guys go get it. Evan Ingram caught a 75-yard touchdown pass last week. But when he caught the ball, he was in a full strike on a you know shallow cross, and he turned it up and went 75 yards. And suddenly, he looked like a weapon and had one of the best games he's ever had. Um, so to do that without Saquon, nobody could have thought. Nobody could have said, okay, Saquon's out there on a boot, a walking boot, that they could put up 32 points. So, look, the great, the great thing about this league and the one thing that never changes is we always need more quarterbacks. We never have enough. We never have a, yeah. enough good ones. And when a Daniel Jones bursts on the scene like that and he handles all of it the way he handled it, you go, oh, good. We're in better shape. New York's got a quarterback. That The league got better on Sunday with that performance by him. And I think the interesting thing is, like you, you mentioned how Dak under pressure maybe isn't great, but he certainly can move around. Carson, I mean, I watch you every week talk about this last week against the Lions. He's diving in the red zone. He's ultra competitive. He can move around. But I think Daniel Jones might throw the best pass or just the, the best ball of the three of them, right? I mean, he might not be the most athletic. He might not, you know, have the big name and all that stuff. But when you just come to throw in the football, I mean, do you think he's the best of Carson, Dak, and obviously him? You know, when you – first of all, you know, Daniel Jones started for three years at Duke. And he took him to two straight bowl games, and he won bowl games on a big five conference team that didn't have a player drafted in the last three years. I mean, they were playing – he's playing with nothing but free agents his whole life. He had to throw the ball with touch, with precision, just to have a chance. I mean, I've never seen a team drop more passes than they did last year for, for him at Duke. But he, that's how he had to play to go compete against Clemson and to compete against Florida State or Boston College, or Virginia Tech. I mean, he had to throw the ball in in ways, and they, they weren't just a dink and dunk team. You know, I mean, they weren't throwing just bubble screens. They, they threw the whole route tree, you know. And so I think it's just the way he's been trained. I mean, I, I think that, you know, mechanically, he's really, really sound. The ball spins. It doesn't wobble. It's a tight spiral. Um, when he has to drive the ball, you know, between two defenders, he can drive it. When he had to float it like he did to Darius Slayton against a bracket double team across the field, he knew to, to just throw it out there to a open patch of grass and let Slayton go get it. I, you know, the, the throw to Sterling Sharp for the seven-yard touchdown pass against double coverage was, was a dime. You know, I mean, so, I mean, it's one game. You know, we'll see how he does against the Redskins this week, but I have a feeling he's going to do a lot of the same things. So I think the question of, who would you pick to start your team with if you had to rank them, Carson, Dak, or Daniel Jones? I never thought that would be a difficult question. And I was going to ask you, but honestly, I don't even think I know the answer myself at this point. I mean, I think that would no, be I very would, look, I would still take Carson. I, I would still take so Carson. The guy's a cyborg. Even with I mean, the injury? Look, well, I mean, look, he's not going to change the way he plays. He, he proves that every week. He's not changing. Like, he's well, just going to go. But that's a problem be. because he's hurt, yeah. Well, I mean, well, you know, look, I mean, he's not going to change. So we'll see if he, he lined up, played 16 his first year, been hurt the last two years. We'll see if he plays 16 games. You know, I mean, it'd be a good thing if, you know, his receivers caught the ball. I mean, you know, you get the ball at the 50-yard line with two minutes to go against the Lions, down three, with two timeouts left, and Matt Collins drops the ball, and J.J. Arcega-Whiteside drops the ball. And if you don't drop a ball, you might be in overtime or they might win a game on that drive. Yeah, but it's funny how for some reason with Carson, and he's now I think something like eight and fourteen in one score games, and quarterback win loss record is not the end all be all. I get that. You mentioned the drops against the Lions, right? That so it's not always on him. But it's just funny how Daniel Jones comes in and they miss that kick. There was just something about him. So huh. I, I don't know. I just I think you got it's the magic really dust. He's got the magic touch. I would look, I think Carson's probably the most talented of the three, but I, I don't know who I would take if I had to pick, because Dak has been very impressive. I never thought I'd even include Daniel Jones in this, but once again, got to listen to Baldy every week because you told me he was good. And now Carson, of course, we all know he's on the list of the best young quarterbacks. But a guy that is also trying to get on that list, maybe getting a little too much hype early on since he's still just one and one. But Gardner Minshew, kind of Thursday night football, national spotlight. What's impressive about him, we talked about Daniel Jones and his, you know, his pure passing. 
Gardner Minshew, I don't have the exact stat in front of me, but I think he might be throwing the most accurate ball in the league right now per pro football focus. So he's looked really good. Nick Foles must be sitting on the sideline and being like, of course, this is happening to me after I did it to Carson. But Gardner Minshew, before we get into the Foles thing and what they do, Gardner Minshew, what have you seen from him so far as a player? Well, I mean, that was look, that was really impressive last Thursday night against Tennessee. You know, in I mean, he must have thought he was back at Washington State the way the rain was coming down sideways. I mean, he's used to throwing the ball 60 times a game for Mike Leach up there. And the thing about Mike Leach and some of his quarterbacks that he has coached, from Cliff Kingsbury all the way down, I mean, you just looked at the list of them, is he puts a lot on the quarterback to figure it out. There isn't a playbook or a manual. This is how you play quarterback. He he, gave, he basically gives him an open form to figure it out. And Gardner figured it out that he's going to be emotional. He's going to be he, – he's not going to stop being a character. He's, nobody's going to mold him, which is a good thing in this league. He's a character. He he enjoys the limelight. He enjoys talking. He, You know, he's a fun guy to be around, right? And then he's a, he's a baller. Like, like that Tennessee defense is really talented. But the throws that he made in that rain, in that slop, were great throws. And he throws an accurate ball. And he can throw it on the run. He can throw it from a a set platform. He knows how to work the pocket. He knows how to bring the ball down and run for it. I mean, there wasn't really anything he couldn't do. And you can argue that he doesn't have the greatest talent around him. But certainly, when you look at what D.D. Westbrook did and, you know, some of the other guys out there, they look like they were talented enough. And the idea that, I mean, I, I know Doug Marone. Doug Marone will play the hot hand. They may pay Nick Foles all this money, but it might not be any different than Kurt, you know, Kurt Warner taking over for, you know, when what's-his-name got hurt, you know. But, I mean, these things have a way of working themselves out. But if you're Jacksonville right now and you had that kind of a lift, you just you will play the hot hand if he stays hot. Man, if I'm Nick Foles, and I mean, literally, Nick Foles is kind of Carson Wentz now to them. He's the guy they played. He's their franchise quarterback. Nick Foles won the Super Bowl in Philly, was never given a shot to actually keep the job. If I'm Nick Foles, I get hurt, and then Gardner Minshew stays in for me when I'm healthy. I mean, look, I get it, right? Best player played, but Foles must be like, when's my turn to be the guy that actually gets to stay no matter what? But it's definitely interesting because if they win, and look, I know they're one and one with Gardner Minshew. But that division is very winnable. The Colts have looked better than expected. Uh, but I, I still think that that division is winnable. Then it's going to be a very interesting decision to make. But another quarterback, another backup that uh, came in last week, Kyle, Kyle Allen, Carolina Panthers. Not Josh Allen, Kyle Allen. Comes in, plays well. And this is a situation where I do actually think sticking with him might be the right call. I like Cam Newton. He's done a lot in his career. The results speak for themselves. I think they've lost something like seven in a row or seven of their last eight with him as the starter. Is it time for the Carolina Panthers, if Kyle Allen keeps playing well, to consider saying, okay, this is our quarterback now? Well, Chico, Ron Rivera, didn't waste any time on Monday naming Kyle Allen his starter. I mean, before, I don't even know if the Dodgers had a chance to check out Cam Newton. Cam Newton was just awful in the first two games. I mean, there's no other way to really describe it. And he was awful at the end of the season last year. That's why Kyle Allen, you took over for him in week 17. Kyle Allen last week, Elliot, was sensational. I mean, I mean, he had seven misses and four touchdowns in 26 attempts. And you can say, okay, three-yard touchdown passes to Greg Olson. All right, you know, you shrug your shoulders. He threw a touchdown pass to DJ Moore with a minute to go in the first half, a 52-yard strike. And it's one of those throws where you just watch it over and over from every angle that you can. Because he's thrown it right into the jaws of a, of a zone defense of the Arizona Cardinals. He throws this ball like it's right into the teeth of this defense. And DJ Moore might never, never have caught in his young career a better ball on the move. Because when that guy catches the ball on the dead sprint, there's nobody's catching him. He's got elite speed. He breaks tackles with the best of them. But for the first time, since maybe Carolina came back and beat the Eagles in that game a year ago, Elliot, I felt like the Carolina Panthers have more than enough weapons. Greg Olson beat D.J. Swearinger like a drum in man coverage. D.J. Moore was effective. He caught his touchdown pass. 
Curtis Samuel looks like one, just another Ohio State receiver that just can put on the gas and just blow by anybody. And there's Christian McCaffrey that does it all. Like, you felt like they could do whatever they wanted to do against the Arizona Cardinals. And I'm, I just can't wait to see him play a second week to see if he plays with the same poise, with, if he throws the ball with the same accuracy, if the defense steps up and plays like they did. Because I felt like it was really combination football for the first time in a while where all of a sudden Brian Burns and Luke Keekley and all these guys, Dante Jackson, all these guys contributed. And sometimes you need that lift from your offense for your defense to play at its best. And that was the best game the Carolina Panthers have played in a long, long time. Yeah, you mentioned it with Daniel Jones. This league is in a better place when there's a lot of good young quarterbacks. And I think part of the reason we're seeing so much it's a little bit of the rule change, right? I mean, it's a little easier to play quarterback. A little easier, I should say. It's still very hard to play the position. But to have so many good young players in this league right now, I mean, we could probably name 12 guys that are young, you know, three, four years or, or younger in the league that are on the come up. So it's definitely an exciting time. To be one of those teams that doesn't have them, though, that means you got to go out and you got to find one. And as we all know, Baldy, hiring can be a challenge. And that's something Codable co-founder Gretchen Hebner discovered. Gretchen needed to hire a game artist for her education tech company. She knew it wouldn't be easy to find someone to grow with her team, much like it's not easy to find a quarterback. That's why she went to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It goes out and finds them for you. Its technology identifies people with the right experience and invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Gretchen posted her job on ZipRecruiter and said she was impressed with how quickly she found quali qualified applicants. She also used ZipRecruiter screening questions to filter her candidates so she could focus on the best ones. And that's how Gretchen found a new game artist in less than two weeks. And with the results like that quality, it's no wonder that four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. You can try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Now, Baldy, we've seen a lot, as we mentioned, almost a month into the season. We're starting to get a read on divisions. One division that is surprisingly wide open. I mean, I think you could see three teams win this division. The NFC West, Los Angeles Rams, the 49ers are undefeated. You just saw the 49ers down in San Francisco beat the Pittsburgh Steelers. And then you have the Seahawks at 2-1. and one. I think the 49ers, uh, look, I should say this, the Rams are going to win that division, in my opinion. I think the 49ers have a chance, and the Seahawks shouldn't be counted out. I think the Rams are still the favorite. But, man, I think Kyle Shanahan is one of the best head coaches in the NFL, period. Forget age. The stuff he does, and you can explain it better, but the stuff he does every week from an offensive game scheming standpoint is extremely impressive. I mean, he belongs in that conversation of, of the McVeighs, of the Doug Petersons of just his ability to game plan. I know people focus on the the loss to the, the Patriots in the Super Bowl when he was with the Falcons, but this guy knows how to game plan an offense, and you're seeing the benefits of that with them being 3-0. and When you look at the NFC West, what what do you see? Who who, who do you like right now as the favorite? Do you, believe, do you agree it's a three-team race? Do the 49ers have some staying power? Give me the body breakdown of the NFC West. Well, I think that all three can make a claim to win the division. So if you start with the Rams, getting Cooper Cup back is just, it's it, it just no way to really describe how valuable he is. His, his ability just to win against man or zone, no matter who's trying to cover him, no matter who's trying to bracket him, is almost unmatched. He just is, and he, and, and Jared knows how to get the ball to him. And the fact that he missed the last half of the season last year, the, the Rams missed him. But with him, they have all the pieces to be another dynamic offense. They've replaced two offensive linemen, Brian Allen and Joseph Noteboom in there. They had to replace the right guard last week, Austin Blythe. You replace three players in the middle of your offensive line. Good luck trying to maintain an offense. But that's their offensive line coach, Aaron Cromer, is as good as there is in this industry. And so I'm, I'm anxious to see the Rams this week, and I'll call their game against the Bucs. I'll see them a little bit. But – Aaron Donald is just, there is just no, he has no comp in this business. He might be just the best player in the whole league at any position. And he, he just has the ability to dominate at any time in the game and change the game. And all the pieces that they've added, Eric Weddle, Taylor Rapp, Clay Matthews, they're all good fits for Wade Phillips. So I think they're still the best team. But 
I'll say this about Seattle. They're going to get better. They always do under Pete Carroll. You know, you know you're going to see a, a day soon, maybe starting this weekend, with Ziggy Ansah and Jadevian Clowney and their number one pick, LJ Collier, all out there. And the pass rush is going to get better. It's going to become more fierce. And you got Bobby Wagner, quarterback in that defense. And then you're going to get the additions of DK Metcalf. They're only going to get better. They want to run the ball, and they run it well. So they're going to be a player, and they're going to be a good team. When you get to late November, December, they're going to be a tough out, especially at home. I know the Saints went there and beat them this week, but they're going to get better. And look, I, I want to believe in, this, in the 49ers. I really do. But they turned it over five times last week. And it yeah. was just, it was nauseating. Like, that's what, that's what, it was. looks like Jimmy G last year was bad. But Nick Mullins was a capable backup. Um, they could not hold on to the football. Everybody dropped it. Everybody but George Kittle. But I'll say this. If you look at the offense right now with Jimmy G, and he's gotten better in the five games. Each week he's gotten better since preseason. Um, they lost their left tackle, and it's a big loss. And it showed up last week. Joe, Joe Staley, I don't know when he's going to come back from the broken leg, but they got to get through this six weeks without him. And it's, it's a tough loss. But if you look at, if you look right now at George Kittle, Jimmy G, this rookie Debo Samuel, Dante Pettis and Marquise Goodwin, Kyle Shanahan calling offensive plays, they're an explosive offense. They really are. They could get plays in chunks. And then this defensive line is going to be a problem for the league. I mean, Nick Bosa is just a talented player. If you put him opposite D Ford, with DeForest Buckner and our Eric Armstead, they've already made the secondary infinitely better. Richard Sherman is healthy. They're going to be a good football team if they can just stop turning the ball over, Ellie. And I don't know. Sometimes that's just the coach. You're just, you just do too many crazy things. Direct snaps to a guy running fly sweep and the ball gets, you know, fumbled. I mean, maybe they just do too many crazy things with the ball the way Chip Kelly did. And you just become too careless with the ball. And maybe that's a, a part of that offense. Yeah, so I think that that's my concern with the 49ers, is that as impressed as I am with the head coach, and I, I like Garoppolo to a certain extent, and you're right, they're building things along the defensive line. I think they're still learning how to win, even though they're 3-0. and You mentioned the turnovers. Uh, beating the Steelers is always an impressive win in, in the NFL, but with Mason Rudolph, even playing, as you mentioned, better than a lot of people give him credit for, I still think I, I, it's going to take the 49ers a little bit of time. Um, right now, just you kind of recap the NFC West after almost a month in, I would go Rams, Seahawks, 49ers, Cardinals, and how I kind of view that pecking order. Would you agree, just real quick with those? Yeah, I think that's probably a good snapshot. That could change, yeah. obviously, in any, you know, in any week. Like I said, I think both the 49ers and Seattle will improve as the season goes on. Um, Nick Bosa and D Ford are just getting themselves into shape after missing all the preseason and battling some, you know, some little injuries. So they're going to get better. and I know Seattle will get better. They always do. And I want to yeah. just skip over Arizona. They didn't play well last week against Carolina after playing really well against Baltimore. Um, but I'm, but I, I do like Kyler Murray, and I do like Keyshawn Johnson, and I like Christian Kirks, and obviously Fitzgerald and DJ Johnson. They've got pieces. They just need a lot more. They, they, need, a, they need a real offensive line, and they, they're just putting you know, backups in there right now. Yeah, and they have a tough matchup this week. So coming up on the Prevent Defense podcast on the Radio.com Sports Digital Network, we're going to be talking about those week four matchups right after this quick message. Hey, everybody. Cody Decker here from Swings and Misses, the Radio.com Sports Original, here to talk to you about 4hims.com. 4hims.com is your one-stop shop for hair loss, skin care, and sexual wellness for men. 66% of men lose their hair by age 35. And you know what? I'm 32, and I've been taking hymns for three weeks now. Baseball did everything it could to take my hairline away from me, whether it was just wearing a helmet, wearing a hat, or my managers just not playing me. My hair was going away. And I'm 32 years old, and I don't want to be part of this statistic anymore. Thanks to science, baldness can be optional. Hims is helping guys be the best versions of themselves with licensed physicians and FDA-approved products to help you regrow your hair. 4Hims connects you to real doctors online. Get the hair loss treatment everybody's talking about, featured in GQ, Men's Health, Playboy, just to name a few. Not to mention, I talk about it every day on our Radio.com original Swings and Misses. Go to 4 slash swings. That's 4 hymns, F-O-R-A. 
H-I-M-S dot com slash swings. All right, Baldy, week four is here. We're going to be a month into the season, the quarter point, and we have some really good games on the schedule. You mentioned you're going to be down in L.A. for uh, for Rams-Buccaneers. I'd be a little surprised if that was a close one, although I will say the Buccaneers, you know, have been a little better than expected. Um, but I think there's some really good matchups here. Uh, Cowboys at Saints. We're going to see if the, the Saints can do it again with Teddy Bridgewater at quarterback. Huge game for the NFC East because the Cowboys move to 4-0. and They're in great shape in the division, especially with the Eagles potentially being 1-3 and or maybe 1-3 and already by the time you're listening to this podcast. Cowboys-Saints, I'm picking the Cowboys here. I just, like I mentioned, I think they're the best team in the NFC. Cowboys-Saints, who you got? I get the Cowboys. Uh, I, I just, I love everything about how the team is playing right now. Like I said, I know Dak has thrown a couple up for grabs. I got to see him under pressure. That's a good atmosphere to get tested in. It's a big game for him. It's a big game for Kellen Moore calling calling plays there in that in that building. But they have they they just don't have a hole right now on that team. And I think Teddy Bridgewater will struggle with the speed of that defense. And I think that they will give. I don't you know I, I just think they're they're going to give. Uh, the Saints a bunch of problems. Yeah, so the next one, Vikings at Bears. We all saw what the Bears did on Monday night uh, in Washington. Trubisky, I mean, Washington's maybe biggest accomplishment is making Trubisky look like a competent quarterback. He he looked really good. Uh, the Vikings, you know, cooled off a little bit after uh, an impressive first few weeks. But who do you like in that game, Vikings in Chicago? I'm going to go with the uh, – I'm going to go with the Vikings. Yeah, well, I just – I mean, I saw the Vikings beat Oak, the Oakland Raiders this week. And – you know, it's interesting, Elliot. You know, the Vikings two years ago, they signed Kirk Cousins to the richest guaranteed contract in the history of the NFL. And he's a 500 quarterback. But, you know, Gary Kubiak is there. And if you watch, Dalvin Cook leads the league in rushing right now. If you look at Gary Kubiak in Baltimore, Joe Flacco, it was the best year Joe Flacco ever had. And they were a great running team. And they've added Irv Smith at tight end and Garrett Bradbury at center. And, you know, Pat Elfline is now the left guard and Josh Klein. Like, they are a much better team when they have now become a very good running team. They ran the ball down the Oakland Raiders' throats last week, and they looked helpless to stop it. And Dalvin mm-hmm. Cook is looking like the, what I thought Dalvin Cook was going to be in this league when he came out of Florida State. He is a dynamic player, and it's the perfect system for him. And everybody in that offense gets involved in the run game. There are two tight end sets. They got a fullback on the field in CJ Ham. They've got two more than capable receivers, very good receivers, that they can play action the ball to. I love, I, I got to believe Mike Zimmer is smiling right now. This is the team I think he always wanted. Even when they went to the NFC Championship game in Philly, I believe this is the team he always wanted. With a run heavy team, with a coach that knows how to stay with it, with a stud back. And with a defense that can play complementary football, I like. I know the Vikings have had problems with the Bears. This is going to be the black and blue division Titanic matchup here, with that Bears defense going up against Dalvin and a rebuilt Minnesota Vikings offense. But I think this week, because uh, this game is in Chicago, I probably take the Bears in this game. Yeah, and I'm excited to see Dalvin Cook versus that front because there might not be you know, two or three players in the league that impressed me more than Dalvin Cook this season. But team that was supposed to be way more impressive than they are, I know you've seen them already, obviously, but Browns at Ravens. Man, I did not come away from Monday from uh, Sunday night very impressed with Baker. He just doesn't look comfortable throwing the ball from the pocket. He just doesn't. And uh, on the flip side, Lamar Jackson, clearly a much better quarterback right now than Baker, with less weapons, honestly. I mean, the, the Browns, obviously with Odell and Jarvis Landry and all that, and the the Ravens have some talent, but I think Lamar Jackson is doing more with less in Baltimore. Cleveland going to Baltimore. I'm picking the Ravens. I just think they're the flat out better team. They're at home, and I don't trust Baker and that Cleveland team to go into an environment like Baltimore and beat a team that good yet. So I'm going to take the Ravens over the Browns. What about you? Well, you know Cleveland went there in Week 17 last year, and they almost knocked the Ravens out of the playoffs. Um, but not, there hasn't been a single. Outside of what Miles Garrett is doing, which he can actually compete with Aaron Donald for the Defensive Player of the Year, but outside of that, I don't recognize this Cleveland Brown offense, and it's just bizarre to me. 
I mean, fourth, I mean, Freddie Kitchens looked lost in a press conference trying to explain why he ran a draw on fourth and nine with the game in the balance. He, he looked lost. I mean, he tried to be cute. He tried to be funny with it. But it was a horrible call, and there's no reason for it to be a horrible call. You are paying Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr. a ton of money to go make plays for your star quarterback. And you're not even giving them a chance to do it. I, I don't recognize any part of this offense that won five of the last seven games last year. It doesn't – there's no the, – the play action, heavy run action, I don't, I don't see it. And the shots down the field. I, I don't recognize the offense. And I don't understand what Freddie's doing. I mean, the first thing he did was when he became the, the offensive coordinator for Greg Williams was he changed the design of the offense to protect his quarterback and protect his offense line. He's not doing that. And if they keep playing offense the way they have the first three weeks, they, they won't stand a chance against Baltimore. Baltimore chased Patrick Mahomes around Arrowhead last week. And only Patrick Mahomes probably could have won that game the way that he did. I mean, Wink Martindale is a talented defensive coordinator, and I think he will outcoach um, Freddie Kitchens all afternoon long. I, I love the Ravens in this game. Yeah, I agree. And I think the panic button is going to be getting pounded in Cleveland after this one. Freddie Kitchens, man, I almost feel bad for him. I mean, he's got a talented roster in a great spot. And you coach football for a living, so I don't feel so bad. But to be a rookie head coach and come in in that division and be expected to win it, I mean, if they won the division, it would be celebrated, but it would almost be expected. And that's wild for a rookie head coach. But next time we will talk, we will be four weeks into the season, which is wild. I mean, four weeks of preseason, four weeks of football. We're eight weeks into this, sadly. It's exciting, but I hate to see football slip away. But I can't wait to see what next week brings. So, Baldy, I will talk to you next week on the Prevent Defense Podcast. Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we got some new reviews this week. I really appreciate that. Always tweet us some questions, and we'll make sure we get to them. Baldy, talk to you next week. Great job here, Elliot. Look forward to it next week, buddy.